Welcome to Almost Here, Around the Corner of Future Technology podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used. We're just around the corner from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Future Tech Podcast. Uh, my guest today is Katie Edwards, an author of uh, books in the tarot sequence, such as Hanged Man and The Last Sun. So, Katie, how you doing? I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, even though you may not consider authors to be future tech, I do. You know, especially science fiction ones. So that's why I wanted to, to speak to you. So, um, yeah, can you tell me a little bit about your your background and how you got into writing? You know, what were you doing before you were writing, and what led you into it? Oh man, I can't even remember that far back. That's something. <laughs> From the very beginning, I've always wanted to be a writer. Um, I mean, since I was a little kid, I would, you know, I, I remember even like writing newsletters for our household that I would publish um, from the start. I was just kind of entranced by stories. So I literally can't remember when I, I wanted to do it. I know that about five years ago, I finally made the decision that I wanted it to be more than just a hobby. I did it my spare time. So I really set out kind of training myself to write the novel um, I just wrote. You know, I have a couple of novel sitting in my drawer in my study, which will never see the light of day. Um, but it trained me to the point where I finally was able to write um, The Last Sun, the first novel in the tarot sequence. It's something I've wanted to do. This is an idea that's been in my head for quite a while. Hmm. So it looks like from the comments I've seen online and from you know other authors, they say like you're a master world building. So I don't know, tell me about that. Do you think that's what you're, uh, you enjoy most or you're good at or, you know, what? Why do people make oh, that yeah. comment most of all? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I will say that the people who've been reading my book and leaving comments are just absolutely incredible. I mean, I am, I, I don't know if other authors have this experience, but these people have just been blowing my mind, sending me artwork and music that they think inspires um, them when they read The Last Sun. It's just been amazing. But the hmm. for world building, that is like the core of, especially the tarot sequence, it's pretty much the whole thing is an imagined world and it's something that takes place side by side in, in very modern times. So the the creative aspect was kind of a must. Um, I mean, I'm a, when you talk with writers, they'll say either you're a planner or a pantser and I'm definitely a planner. Like I, I don't go into something without a massive outline and usually a good 60% of that outline is nothing but world building notes and probably half of those world building notes the reader will never see. It's just me understanding the the confines and the limits and the restraints of the world. Hmm. So what's it like to, uh, to engage in world building? Is it just, it, do you start with a premise and go step by step and, and things occur to you over time? Or is it, uh, you have to, did you plan out everything and then just wrote it down? What was it like? For I you? think, yeah, I think it definitely, it, I mean, the, the, the world developed over a couple of years in my head. Um, and I'm a constant note taker wherever I am. I've got, a digital recorder sitting in my car in case a note occurs to me in the car. I, I take notes um, on my phone. I, I have journals. I have online spreadsheets. I take notes constantly because when you're creating a world, even if you don't want to like hit the reader over the head with a million details about the more boring aspects of it, you still need to have an idea of those boring aspects, such as you know currency, their economy. You've got to have an idea of what the social quirks are. And that's something that I put a lot of brainstorming into. And like I said, I mean, half of those notes will never make it onto the page, but I think it gives the world a little bit more of an authentic sheen because the reader trusts that I know what's going on. 
Um, that's one comment I see quite a bit. Um, a lot of people say they're not exactly sure where I'm going with this idea, but they know I've thought it through and they know it's going somewhere. And a lot of times they're right that I'm deliberately keeping stuff back um, because I do plan this as a series. So, so uh, did you get inspiration for world building? Like, are there any authors, you know, it seems like, you know, the Lord of the Rings, J.R.R. Tolkien seems to be like one of the you know most amazing world builders I've seen. But uh, you know, yeah, how I did you get so. into this? What's your inspiration? Um, I think the, uh, oh God, I don't know how long ago, the early days of what they call urban fantasy or, or sort of a modern fantasy that takes place in like, you know, modern times or city environments. And there are some just people who really started that genre, like Alona Andrews is a, a sci-fi fantasy author there. She's just, or it's actually a husband wife writing team and they're mind-blowingly good. And Laurel Hamilton has been writing for quite a while and Jim Butcher and those are sort of my modern influences, but I think this um, this turn I took in my writing where I was focusing more on modern fantasy was all the way back to graphic novels. Um, when they matured to the point, you had um, the Vertigo imprint, and they had things like Neil Gaiman doing The Sandman and Garth Ennis doing The Preacher, and you're starting to see a lot of those actually come back in television shows now, but they were... I mean, the, the graphic novel series, The Sandman Transform, it gave me this idea that, wow, you can do something with teeth. You can create a world that has an edge to it. And that's pretty much, mm. that's, I would consider Neil Gaiman one of my first influences. Alona Andrews, I'm rereading her whole series right now. And she always, I didn't realize how much she influenced me until I went back and started reading the first few books in her series. And it, that, to see that it really set me on a path. So how has it um, changed your perception now that you've had to, you know, create worlds and characters and, and write your own books? Like now that you're doing it, is it what you thought it would be? Is it better? Is it, you know, not as exciting? Well, I, like I said, I mean, it's been just an incredible experience for me because I have so many people reaching out and with nothing but positive things to say. I mean, I was really armored myself when I did this series because while I consider it mainly a, a sci-fi fantasy series, you know, an urban fantasy the main protagonist is gay. And I don't want to call that gay science fiction. It's just science fiction with the main character who happens to be gay. And I really, when I put that out there, I was worried. I thought, you know, maybe, you know, people will think that this isn't mainstream. And my agent was the first one to shoot that down and say, Keith, this is absolutely mainstream. Um, but, you know, the world's ready for something like this. Uh, there are other examples out there. So it was a little bit nervous putting that out there because I wasn't sure what the reaction would be, but it's been far better than I expected. I mean, you asked, like, has the experience changed me? It's definitely taught me a lot about the the writing process doesn't end with it getting published. I mean, half of it's just beginning. The next half is the reader response to it. And especially when you're doing a series, you've got to pay close attention to that because, I mean, they really gave me some, you know, the reader feedback. Um, while there's a lot of great things, some of them did, you know, come forward with some critical feedback. And I've had to open my eyes and go, huh. You know, like, for instance, here I thought my series was so diverse because I have a main character who happens to be gay. And yet, you know, numerous people have pointed out, yeah, but, you know, you don't have any people of color in your novel or you don't have any strong female protagonists. So it's been a learning experience and it's definitely going to influence uh, the direction some of the novels are going to take in the future. Well, do you feel like now you're going to try to make your novel inclusive of everybody or do you feel well, like the whole novel? And yeah, I I think for for the most part the novel the series is planned out. I know exactly how long it's going to be. I know what every novel is about. But within that framework, there were definitely some um, like one of the readers had said, you know, you know, but it killed you. One of the characters is called Ciaran. Was there any reason Ciaran couldn't have been, you know, a black man? Is there any reason that 
um, you know, one of the other characters couldn't have been more of a, a, a female with really strong traits that could have created that sort of um, dynamic female character. And there's no reason not to do that with some of the future characters I'm going to be bringing into the story. So I, I, I think you do have to be responsive to what the readers are asking for because they're giving you, anytime anyone leaves you a review on Amazon or Goodreads, I mean, that's a gift. I mean, that's someone who's taking time out of their life to respond. And especially if it's a positive response with some good information and that I'd be stupid not to pay attention. But it's and there's room for that in the story, too. I mean, even though I know what the main outline is for the novels, there's room for me to be more kind of inclusive um, in how I describe some of the new characters I know are coming on board. Do you feel like you have to be or, you know, do you feel like uh, I mean, you had a, 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 you know, a gay character in the book as the main person. It seems like. Uh... I don't know, that just opened the door to criticism instead of just, uh, you know, not doing it at all. Yeah, I think that for, for the most part, I think I want to do it. Um, I certainly don't think I'm changing anything. I'm changing the foundation of what I plan. Um, but there are ways to, I don't know, kind of sharpen my focus. But it's certainly not, it's, it's not as if it's running me off the rails and kind of redoing plot structures. Um, I know that mm. since I know where I'm going with the whole series, you know, I'm very careful in how I laid out book one because there are echoes of pretty much every book that comes in this nine book series in book one. I mean, there are hints loaded through it that I don't think you'd even realize until like, you know, you hit book seven or eight. But so, I mean, that's already kind of planted that foundation. Okay. Interesting. What other feedback, uh, you know, changed the way you think about uh, the writing process or what you've created? Um, I think my writing process, I feel pretty good about it. I don't think I would do anything different with that. The only thing I probably want to do different for the third novel is start much sooner. Um, I I am definitely not the quickest writer in the world, and I think that I, I definitely saved a lot of the novel towards you know the last six months of the contract. And going back, I think I'd feel better if I put a lot more of a you know sprint at the beginning of the process rather than just kind of take my time for the first six months. Because then I I'm also one of those writers who I'd really do enjoy the editing process afterwards. Um, I enjoy polishing and going back. I enjoy, if I can get away with it, to actually stick my novel in a drawer for six months and not even touch it so that when I go back and read it again, I'm not feeling as emotionally invested in some of the um, the writing or the descriptions. And it's much easier to kind of trim stuff down and delete it. So, how, yeah, how long does it take you to, uh, you know, to write one of your books and, you know, and how long does the editing take? And uh, I don't know, do you feel invigorated by the process or does it tire you out? No, it, I do feel invigorated. It's I I think it, while it seems like it takes a long time for me to write, the actual time I spend in front of the keyboard actually drilling out the words, I mean, pales in comparison to the brainstorming and the planning I do. So, and I love that process. And I have an incredible, incredible editor um, at at Pyre, and they um, have an excellent copy editor who works with me. So on that end, I've got great partnership. And I think that you have some authors who. Um, we either when they first contact their agent or when the agent sends a book to a publisher, they know that there's a very good chance they're going to have to change large portions of their novel, that there might be requests of, we think you need to rewrite this or rewrite this. And I got to admit, I, I didn't have any of that. My editor, there was a lot of line editing, but there was no major changes to how the story was structured. So I consider that personally is probably the part of the process that complimented me the most. Like I, I felt really out of myself that um, I delivered something that they considered um, close to a final product. Nice. Okay. Do you think that, uh, you know, the stories may end up becoming movies or taking on, uh, you know, going on TV or making videos out of them? I don't know. I mean, I do have a Hollywood agent, so um, there is someone who's representing me, but the, it's hard to think about that stuff. Even if you do get bites now and then, 
you really can't spend too much time thinking about it because, you know, while publishing, it, it, people will tell you it's a long process. Like by, between the moment you finish your book and it winds up on the shelf, many, many months go by, whereas Hollywood tends to turn on a dime and interest, you know, waxes and wanes. But if I had my way, I mean, what I would love, I, I would absolutely love to see this as a, you know, an HBO or a Netflix series or something really edgy they do on cable nowadays. Mm. Gotcha. So uh, how many more books in the series? You just have one more or, or what's left in the series for you? No, there are, I, I, I'm imagining nine books in the series and they're kind of broken up into three separate story arcs. Um, one of the things I do in the first book is it's pretty clear that Rune, the, the major narrator, is not being completely honest with the reader, that there are things that he's liberally avoiding saying and things that he's probably not being honest about. And so the first three novels really explores the truth coming out that Rune's keeping from the reader. And also is there are things being kept from Rune about what happened with his, he's, um, this takes place about 20 years after his court fell, um, his father's court fell. And Rune finding out the truth behind that is about another three, um, three novels worth of the story arc. And then the last three are hmm. pure endgame novels. It's me really kicking the um, series up into its final marathon sprint. So you had all but, this, you, you have all this in your head, even when you first started doing the uh, first book or you oh God. discovered no, I don't the have story as you write it? Yeah, I don't have that good a memory, but I write everything down. Um, I think like the average book is about 80 to 100,000 words. I easily have about 350,000 words of brainstorming notes, if not more, probably more by now, because last time I counted, it was over 300,000. So I... I have like extensive brainstorming notes on, on the rest of the novel. Like that's one of the reasons I think that when I finally do sit in front of the computer, it's easy to pound it out because I put so much work into that outline beforehand. It's, it's like, a, yeah, it makes sense. Oh yeah. And it, I mean, that's, there are some people who that would drive them crazy. They just outlining kills their spirit for writing the story. It kills their motivation. For me, it gives me a safety net and it gives me a huge sense of comfort in what I'm about to do because I know that I have some great details I don't even have to think of because they're already on the paper for future scenes. Huh. Have you interacted with a lot of other writers? Do I mean, I guess everyone does stuff differently, but is there a common way that, that people write these kind of books or is it just all? Yeah, there, uh, I mean, I definitely have a, a close group of writing friends. I'm in a writing group. Um, I, I am, if I have to recommend anything to a new writer, it's to find a good writing group because there's nothing better than to get constant feedback on what you're writing and also to learn how to give feedback to other people. Um, and there are some really, there are two published authors on it right now, um, three, someone else had self-published on Amazon. And once you get published, then you really start reaching out and learning, you know, other authors. And you've got to contact other authors because they review your book and hopefully do blurbs on it, for instance, um, the things that go on the cover. So I, I'm starting to kind of dip my toe into that world. The idea of going to conferences and stuff that's still pretty new to me. Oh, there's, yeah, I guess there's conferences for everything. So there's writing conferences, yeah, right? Science fiction. Oh, yeah, there are tons. And I definitely need at some point. I, I would want to do that, too. But um, right now, my entire focus, because there was only, what, seven seven months between um, the first novel and the second novel getting published. So I really, I had my work cut out for me after the first one got published. I had to immediately turn to the second one and try to take that to the finish line. But when I'm done with book two, I'll have a moment to breathe and I can actually start thinking about things like, conferences like going and meeting other people mm. you, you have a fan base that's building that's like you know jonesing for more books and reading them as soon yeah. as you put them out yes i'm very i feel very like i said my the people who read my books are just awesome i mean whenever someone sends me like artwork they did of the characters it just blows my mind i mean that i could have done something that affected someone so much that 
they wanted to create a picture of it on their own. Um, someone sent me a playlist, one of um, my readers, and I, even to this day, I listen to the music because she picked incredible songs that really might, reminded her of the characters. Um, I don't think there's not a day that goes by that someone doesn't reach out to me. So it's a, pretty much wow. like a constant ego building high. Uh, well, that's really cool. Yeah, I've seen with, um, you know, not necessarily with novels, but with video games, they they become their own worlds, you know, like a, a video game could lead to a book or leads to music based on it or to t-shirts oh. and, and all kinds of stuff. It's weird. Yeah, maybe even vice versa, because God knows, I would love, love to turn the tarot sequence into an open world RPG. Yeah, that's, a, that's what I started thinking. I wonder if uh, how you'd explore something like that. It's very oh, like I, I mean, I, I'm, a, I'm a video gamer. So even when I was developing the series, I had like, you know, Xbox controller mapped in mind for like the spell work and stuff. Like I know exactly how I'd want it to appear on a controller. Um, really? A lot of people have actually said that my writing reminds them about, you know, an RPG or even like a D&D campaign or something. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, have, you, um, have you thought about, um, you know, getting permission from the pe- your fans that created artwork and, you know, putting it on T-shirts and other stuff and selling that to, to kind of expand the universe of, of your books? Um, I do. I mean, I do put it on Twitter with their permission. Um, well, a lot of times they share it with me on Twitter. Um, the, mm-hmm. the cover artist I love, uh, Mike Epstein, he, I absolutely adore the work he's done. I love the first one and I absolutely love the second one. So I do want to do more with that in the future about um, a lot of authors will invest their own money in getting promotional materials. So as soon as, like I said, my entire focus has been on getting book two out. But when that's done, I'll start thinking about things like that. Um, There's also, I mean, so many options that can go into the series based is based on tarot cards. So, I mean, that's an entire avenue, you know, of of material. Yeah. Yeah. You can make your own custom tarot cards from it, too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So has, has your perspective changed now that you're an author and, you know, things are working out well? You know, when you go to the movies, do you feel differently? Or when you, you know, see other authors that are very successful, like, you know, I don't know if you love or hate Harry Potter, but, you know, do you see love those kind of people? Yeah, do you see them differently now that you're an author? No, I mean, sometimes, not really, because I've been off and on writing my whole life. So one way or another, I'm always kind of have an eye on the craft of what I'm writing. Um but I've I've always I love watching great television series. I love going to good sci-fi movies. So I haven't it hasn't like scraped off the shine of that for me. Um, it's not like I have seen behind the curtain and suddenly it's not as fulfilling. If anything, to be a good writer, you have to voraciously watch, read, listen. I mean, half of my work is literally just staying up on what um, other sci-fi authors are doing and um, yeah. broaden your own experience. Huh. So what, what do you find is the hardest part of the hardest aspect of writing or the whole process? The sitting down, sitting down and actually getting the words out. Um, while I still love doing it and it's always rewarding once I do it, getting the motivation after like, because, you know, I obviously still work during the day, coming home and getting that motivation to sit in front of the computer. Um, that's mm. tough for anyone, you know, really to balance what is kind of a full time um, writing is basically a full time job in addition to a full time job. So I think that the biggest task is overcoming inertia and the pull of the sofa <laughs> what about the uh, you know writers that go and hide themselves away from everybody in order to get writing done do you have to do that or can you you know do you, i do you go to like I, starbucks and do it no i i, I well i definitely write a coffee shop so i have like even this morning i was at a coffee shop i took the day off um because i'm on hopefully within the next seven days i'll actually finish novel two so i was working this morning but oh. i can definitely do that in a coffee shop because the energy around you kind of feeds me 
it's never having that noise around me doesn't bother me. But there are also weekends where, um, do you know what KOA campgrounds are? They're like a, a uh, series no. of campgrounds they have across the country. You, you probably recognize the sign if you saw it. It's, it's like everywhere on highways. But they mm-hmm. also have these deluxe cabins, and you can rent one, and they have like all these, you know, the linen and all the dishes in the kitchen. Um, but I'll, I'll go there so every now and then for a two or three day weekend, and just kind of get away from everything and unplug for a while. But that's always like a oh. treat, though. That's cool. Oh, very interesting. So you said your new novel will be done in about a week, you think? Oh, God, yeah. I hope so. Well, if I don't, my, my editor will probably have words with me. But <laughs> I'm, definitely, I'm definitely running towards the finish line on it. Um, and I, like I said, again, I have probably about, I mean, this is the craziest thing. I probably have about, the, 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 the part that I've already turned in, about two-thirds of the novel or half the novel. And the remaining part was about forty or 50,000 words. And I probably had 60,000 words of brainstorming notes. So, like, I've got one hell of a cushion of, of, of knowing what every scene is going to be and things that happen in the scenes. And one of my characters is, like, the comedy influence. And I have his one-liners already written down. So I've got everything in my favor to finish this in the next seven days. What, um, I don't know if, it, you know, do your fans know much about the new book, like the title and what's, what it's going to talk about? You know, like what can you yeah, say it's, about um, the book? Yeah, it's up on, on Amazon and the artwork's up on Amazon. Pre-order is up on Amazon. Um, and I periodically, I do publish up like updates or I'll do snippets on Twitter. Twitter is probably the main social media thing I use um, about, you know, scenes or lines or I'll give hints about, you know, something that happens. In, in podcasts I do, I've talked about spending a year doing research on battleships. Um, for a story arc within novel two. So I, I give hints now and then. And I've talked a lot about the first three novels being about learning more about what the main character is keeping from the reader. So I think they have an idea of what to expect. And the um, like the summary of it is on Amazon too. So the actual basic storyline is already mentioned. It focuses on Rune doing whatever he can to protect the, the teenager that he's the guardian of, um, Max, who has been promised into marriage to another court. And the other court, the hangman, is a very, very bad guy. So that'll basically be we're in foray to figure out what he can do to save his ward. Okay, so people can go to Amazon now and order the book. And it's the title again is what? The, the Hanged Man is book number two. Book number the one Man, was great. the last song. Right, The Hanged Man. Okay, so to make sure that's clear. Great. And when when is Amazon set to uh, release it, or that's that's still variable right now? No, it's right now. I hopefully it's not going to shift. That's the only thing. If I don't finish the novel on time, they would have to shift that date, and that's the last thing I want them to do. I'm pretty happy that it's, we're not waiting a full year between novels, and this is supposed to come out in January. January, I want to say 19, 20, 21, 22, one of the weeks around there. Mm, okay. Well, very good. So, um, what's the best way for fans to get in touch? You know, to ask questions and, uh, you know, I don't know, give you more insights and, and feedback. Sure. The um, Let's see. Uh, Twitter is something that I constantly connect with fans on, and um, it's at KD Edwards underscore NC. Um, and then I have kdedwards.com, uh, my own website. And at the bottom of the website, you're, it's easy to connect with me through a sort of like an email form on there. Um, a lot of fans email me. I email them back. Um, but Twitter is probably the best way to see updates on everything that's going on or links to different. Like I threw up um, the deleted prologue on my Twitter webpage. It's actually pinned to the start of it. So. I definitely try to um, do things like that every now and then. That's great. Well, Katie, look forward to seeing more from you, and thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, both to review 
to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.